a digression, I went too fast with my Agunos fast, or Gunod. <laughs> I don't bother using other people's accents half the time. Yeah. I don't say Bach. I say Bach. You know, I don't say Wagner. I say Wagner. <laughs> um, but we went to Gunod's Faust the other night, the opera, uh, my daughter and I. Uh, we've been to a few operas, mainly pushed by her. Uh, I don't... I've never got into opera, but I'm getting into it now. Uh, although, that one horrified me. Uh, I know the story of Faust really well. In fact, uh, in these podcasts, if I haven't already, you'll see that um, I even have a series of children's stories that I've made up called Faust, and it's a play on Faust. Uh, I've got a Faust as well, and he lives in the Australian bush. You know, uh, these are these talk stories that I I used to tell my son. Uh, Anyway, uh, and Faust, you know, he was... uh, Actually, I might do that next episode. I'll read out one of my Faust stories. But anyway, we went and saw Gunod's Faust, Gunod's Faust, or however you say his name. Uh, And... I looked, it was at uh, the Arts Centre, State Theatre, and I looked around and it was packed, you know. Um, and, oh, well, just for a slice of Australian culture, it was massively Anglo. Like, I looked around and, uh, you know, um, and this is, you know, three tiers of people coming to watch the opera. And, uh, all right, that's part of Australian culture too. You know, but then I, I remember all my days when I was young in Shepparton at Pinkies, and you know, um, and I was in a band once, and you know, got very feral. You know, I used to love that. Uh, so, and um, and then I think of all the different cultures in Australia, and all the different, you know, um, all the um, Italians up in Shepparton with their fruit farms and all that sort of thing. You know, it's absurd for me to try and. Pin, you know, even start a, an episode called Australian culture as if I'm going to even get close to defining it. You know, like down in, I get down to Footscray a few times. Uh, my goddaughter's taking me down there, and you know, the bars down there. Um, she um, is in with the Ethiopian community, as it turns out. You know, doesn't really matter which community she's in. You know, but there's a whole culture going on down there in Footscray. Uh, and, and yet, uh, my brother-in-law, his parents w- were from Footscray, um, but back in the 1950s, let's say. Um, and back then, Footscray was just like Essendon, really, you know. Um, very, very, what we call Aussie. And, you know, I, I, I make no apologies for uh, aligning the word Aussie with Anglo-Australian uh, because, you know, grow up. That's the way it is, you know. Um, even my mother-in-law, who's Greek, you know, and has been an Australian longer than me, refers to you Aussies or you Australians. When she's referring to people, you know, when she's talking to me, she says, the funny thing about you Australians, you know, or you Aussies, is you can't cook, you know, that sort of thing. Look, she's not being rude, but she means we can't cook like her. And, that's, and I haven't seen anyone cook like her, so, you know. So far, um, the evidence would suggest she might be right. But anyway, the point is, she says, you Australians, to me. 
And, you know, if you're one of this, this modern brigade that says, oh, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't suggest that Australians, you know, as if you have to be Anglo. Well, even she's doing it and she's Greek, you know. She calls herself Greek still. And she's been an Australian and an Aussie longer than I have because she got to Australia 10 years before I got here. I make that point in other places. Uh, but it's ridiculous to try and pin down Australian culture. Nevertheless, I tend to um, speak more about people like me uh, because I'm me. <laughs> but there is heaps of opportunity for people not like me to make podcasts and get on Facebook or social media or whatever they do or get in the write books, whatever they want to do and define culture in, you know, from their perspectives. Why should I have to do all their hard work for them? They can do it. But the point still stands. It's ridiculous for me to try and pin down Australian culture in any comprehensive way. In fact, I'm not even trying to do that. Uh, you know, I'm just giving you a little slice and a fairly random slice and look you already knew there was a whole other there is a whole world of Australian culture uh, that goes all the way from oh look I've moved amongst many slices of Australian culture in my life I've been on farms and I've been in the best restaurants I've been you know in the biggest dives. I've been out in the country, I've been in the city, I've been everywhere. You know, in Australian culture, I've been hardly anywhere in the world. Only, I've only been overseas twice in my life. One of them was for my honeymoon, and one of them when I was, you know, fairly young, um, uh, for one trip, and a quick trip at that. I've only been overseas twice. Haven't burned, and I don't really move much out of Essendon either. Do you know I've got a? I think I've got a very small carbon footprint, um, but I th and I think I get lectured by inference by, for example, climate change protesters. I think I've got a very small f carbon footprint. Look, I drive my car around a lot, but even though I do that, um, it's 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 not really. Um, a thing I've got, you know, this sounds crazy if you're Greta Thunberg or Thunberg or whatever, <laughs> say, someone say Thunberg, you know, everyone tries to get their accents right. Um, but then if I stopped, you know, if I just made an announcement tomorrow and said I'm not driving the car anymore for, you know, because there's a climate um, disaster on, uh, the damage that would cause amongst my family and my extended family would be immense. My job relies on it and a few other things. Look, we would be, uh, we would lose our house and, um, and I won't explain certain other things that I do with the car in ferrying people around and everything, but people need me to do that, you know? Now, I may uh, have a moral, you know, I might do a Greta Thunberg. It's easy for her, she's 14 you know, or whatever she is, 15, she can, you know, she's at a young age and she can structure her life, you know, such that she never goes anywhere except walking, uh, but my life is already structured. Uh, and um, I've got duties. You know, there's not even a rationalisation, just telling you how it is. Um, if I made an announcement today that I'm selling the car, uh, it would destroy a lot of lives. Well, you should anyway. 
says Extinction Rebellion protester. And I say, well, I'm not going to, because you know, I already told you, I'm evil. But anyway, as an evil person, I've hardly ever travelled. Yeah. When I do travel, I make a big noise about it on this podcast, because I went to Cairns on an aeroplane um, recently for my cousin's funeral, you know, and I remarked to myself, and I made a big noise about it on this podcast and said, wow, you know, here we're talking about climate change, and here's me just catching an aeroplane for a funeral. Um, so I'll make a big noise about it um, and uh, always note it with um, curiosity. Look at me, I'm burning fossil fuels again, you know. But that's because I am noticing it. But there's a lot of Extinction Rebellion people that are lecturing and uh, I'm sure they've been overseas. Most of them have been overseas a lot more than me and I bet they haven't seen, you know, a lot of them haven't seen Paris for the last time. You know, or a European trip, or, oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, I'm going to LA next year. Um, uh, I've, uh, a whole group of friends have asked me to go over there, so I thought I would, you know. A lot of them do that. A lot of them do that. I'd love, um, I'd love for everyone have, uh, to have to wear a T-shirt uh, with the stamps on their passports as to where they've been. Um, uh, be displayed on those t-shirts as they go to these Extinction Rebellion lie-downs in front of the trams. You know, that would be good fun. But they're a part of culture too. You know? and, and, they're, and, they've, and they're on the right tram, those people. They're saying the right things. I'm just not sure that they're all doing the right thing. I think Greta Thunberg is doing the right thing. You know, I'm kind of impressed by her. Uh, I actually don't mind her. Um... And, uh, uh, yeah, in fact, I'll go so far. I heard her talking just last night. Um, she's just landed in um, Spain or somewhere and is giving a talk at the climate sort of symposium. And uh, she, uh, an Australian gave her a yacht, um, a yacht trip across there from America um, so that she didn't have to burn fossil fuels. Uh, the funny thing is it was a, it's an Australian couple going around the world I think fairly continuously um, on a yacht. You know, just people do that sort of thing. Everyone, there's Australian culture too. Yachting, oh yeah, we do a lot of that. But um, look, we do everything and we've got all sorts, you know. Um, okay, and, uh, and she spoke at the thing and she's just saying, listen, don't take it from me. Can you just really carefully listen to the scientists? Yeah, I think that's her major point. Um, and she sounded a lot more measured this time and almost a lot more resigned, saying, look, I've been talking and talking. I don't think anything's happening, but please, please do something, you know. Whereas at, at the UN a couple of weeks ago, you know, she was really stressed, you know. Look, the girl's young. Cut, give her a break, you know. I like her, you know. And she's, yeah, she, she, she's the sort of protester I like. She's trying to do. She's trying to do what she can. Yeah. Good luck to her. All right. So that's that. Anyway, as I say, it's ridiculous for me to be trying to make an episode on Australian culture. I don't even know why I started. I just did. You know, because like I've always got these little spare moments to talk in. I can, I've got two choices. I can either listen to the Beatles, or I can talk into a podcast. If I listen to the Beatles, am I doing any good in the world at all? Yeah. If I do a podcast, am I doing any good in the world? 
well, maybe not, you know. I, I make a big point of these episodes not being really for anyone, you know, because that's part of my zen. Yeah. But, you know, if you are listening, and you are, think about think about that. <laughs> um, then, you know, and you, then, you know, at least we've had a... We've had a chance to chat, you and me, in the in the way I like to chat the best, where I get to do the talking <laughs> and listening to the sound of my own voice. That's funny. I'm probably dead by the time you're listening to this, which is even more funny. All right. Anyway, so look, I will I'll, I'll allow more audio to come through to you from my waffling about Australian culture, but it's so non-comprehensive as to be almost ridiculous and even as I'm talking about it I'm thinking this is just ridiculous I'm talking about 0.01% of all there is to have about Australian culture in an episode you know Um, Australian culture is huge absolutely huge it's a big deal and uh, and still we get immigrants coming over here and saying you've got no culture yeah, I could talk for sixty-seven thousand hours on Australian culture. It's huge. <laughs> people are so, so. You know what? A lot of people that come over here and say things like that, are not so much making a comment about Australian culture, as they are making a statement of, uh, you know, advertising how thick they are. You know, so the next time you're at a barbecue, and someone says. Uh, Australians have got no, you know, we've got a lot of culture where I come from, but Australians have got no culture. Just remember Charlie said, uh, look at me, look, have a good look at them. You're looking at someone who's very, very thick. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, back to whatever I was talking about. I stopped the press and all that as usual, uh, it's worth um, refining what we mean by we've got the oldest, you know, major league competition per se in the world. Um, uh, it's, it's really something we sort of, uh, you can measure these things in different ways, but in terms of having, for, you know, a, f- a football code, uh, codified football league. Um, you know, we've got the oldest major league football teams in the world across all codes. You know, Australian rules football, and, and those two teams that are the oldest in the world, as far as I know, major league football teams as exist on the planet right now are from Melbourne here. You know, and that'd be the Melbourne Football Club. And the Geelong Football Club are the two oldest. Australia's quite old, 1872. I think, yeah, uh, did I say Australia? I meant Essendon, my team, you know. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm very tunnel visioned. I'm tribal. Um, Essendon, my team, formed in 1872. But um, Melbourne and Geelong, I think, were in the 1850s. And, you know, this sort of stuff matters. You know, because it's quite something to, you know, Australia's got quite a few little feathers in its cap. Um, for this and that, you know, like um, well, we invented Wi-Fi, for example, which is a huge deal, you know. There, there are people say, oh, we've got a greater, better culture than um, Melbourne, you know. But uh, yeah, science and technology and all that sort of stuff, like a lot of Western cultures, is our 
heritage as well. That's our culture to have science and technology. That's cultural. Yeah, it doesn't have to be dressing in a nice dress and knowing how to dance in a certain way and you know do sort of folk dancing and folk music. You know, um, you know some people say, oh, that's cultural. You know, because we know how to dance properly and wear a pretty dress. I say, oh yeah, well, you know, um, inventing. You know making penicillin possible for the world which you know an Australian was a principle amongst uh, you know um, Howard Florey or um, you know um, making penicillin possible for the world and uh, in a marketable way or Wi-Fi you know the whole world uses that um, and these sorts of things you know because it was, it was a pretty it was a, a, a genius little moment I was reading up on it on um, the Australian um, scientist from CSIRO, he was studying black holes actually, and he made a connection across to um, how we could um, we could do Wi-Fi. You know, which is pretty damn clever. You know, there are cultures in the world who claim they've got more culture than us, and they didn't even know they would never have even come up. Yeah, you know, well, we didn't come up with black holes. I think that was someone from Europe, but we're Europeans. Look, I'm talking about Westerners, you know, but. Yeah, um, we have a culture rooted in science and technology and all that sort of stuff. It's part of our culture. And there are cultures in the world that have cultures that aren't rooted in that, but are rooted in, you know, um, deep faith in God, for example. And they say, we have more culture than you because we have a deeper faith in God. And I say, oh, we have more culture than you because we've got more technology. You know, choose your poison. <laughs> all the countries in the world. Are catching up now, you know, on technology and science and all this sort of stuff, you know, but it's a very Western thing, the idea of modern technology and science anyway. Um, okay, other other lands have had their great moments in other ways too, you know. Um, yeah, even, uh, like, well, not even, you know, like there was the Egyptians, you know, and the Babylonians and all that sort of stuff, you know. They had their golden ages in science and technology and medicine and all that sort of stuff. And um, maths, you know. And um, then the Romans and the Greeks, you know, they had their golden ages. Um, Islam, yeah, had an amazing golden age, you know, where they were reading um, Greek, ancient Greek philosophy, the Islamic lands, and, uh, and the Sultanates and all that sort of stuff. And we went back to having a dark age in the West, you know. So look, these things move about a bit, you know. But I'm talking about Australian culture right now. And uh, yeah, it's extremely advanced. Amazing culture. Rich goes back two million years as well, back to when we were monkeys. Or the cousins of the ancestors of the current monkeys. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that's Australia. Um, what was I talking about just then? Hang on, let me think, let me think. Because I, lo- I do lose track. Yeah, I'm happy to. Because I'm, I'm doing a few different things at once here. Um, oh yeah, football codes. <laughs> Seems a bit... Um, low-brow, doesn't it? Talking about football. But it's all cultural. It matters to a lot of people. You know, Just because it doesn't matter to you doesn't mean it doesn't matter to us. We don't care about your fancy little you know, tribal dresses. You, know, you, you think that's absolutely vital and your faith in God and all that sort of stuff. Well, we just think that's all... You know, we might think that's all primitive. I happen to not, you know, but other people might. You, know, you might think, oh, this is deeply cultural and just wonderful. You know, the way we have deep faith and fancy dancing. You know, and um, you know, churches and all that sort of stuff. And we might say, "Oh, you know, that sounds superstitious to me and stupid." You know, we prefer inventing, you know, um, 
technology, you know. Um, and we think that's more important culturally, you know. It look it gets down to choosing your poison, you know. Um, okay, so that's that. Um, but uh, football, yeah. Uh, Australian rules football look very early on. It's just sort of luck in a way. Um, we decided to codify a competition and get some um, what you might call major league teams together, which became major league, and they're still in existence now and have been playing ever since. And uh, I think Melbourne and Geelong are the two oldest major league teams still playing from the old days and Essendon my team I think we were one year it was it one year we're one year younger than Manchester United for example in England in the English Premier League I looked it up once I think I'm right um, Manchester United pipped us pip yeah one year older than Essendon uh, but we've got local teams in my district and all that sort of stuff that are older than most English Premier League teams. I think Sunbury, which, you know, uh, is kind of in my general area. I've got a, a lot of attachment to Sunbury. Um, yeah, just a local, our local Sunbury Lions. Uh, I think they're older than Liverpool in the English Premier League, for example. You know. That's just... Uh, my daughter played for Sunbury. You know. That sort of thinking, you know. Um, so that's that, you know. Because it means something and it means nothing. It means whatever you want. You know? I'm just, I'm just um, rambling about um, Australian culture and you'll be getting the flavour of Australian culture whether you think it's trite, silly or not. You know? But it's all there. Okay. Anyway... Uh, so, um, yeah, dropping that thought, uh, I heard an article, an article, uh, article, <laughs> do we speak with a D or a T? When I, when I interrupt myself with little comments like that, it all hints at Australian culture. Uh, some of us, some of us say article, and that's more proper, and some of us say article, d, almost a d, you know, I, I, I sort of lean towards yeah, when I'm li- when I'm being lazy, saying article. Oh, I, I read an article the other day. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, uh, but I speak fairly well. Uh, but I've uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a yobbo, and um, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I couldn't care. We're fairly classless and free, as you know, John Lennon. I remember that song. How did that go? Um, think you're so clever and classless and free but you're all effing peasants as far as I can see you know he said something like that but we are sort of fairly classless and free uh, John Lennon was writing it as an Englishman and um, and uh, yeah they're much more class conscious than us you know, this all hints at Australian culture you know, I'm doing it by osmosis here it's not a structured episode do I ever make it a structured episode no I don't you know um, I make non-comprehensive you know Pastiches. Well, there you go. See how classy I am? I can speak French. And uh, of, of whatever I'm talking about. But um, the, the, the British, to us, um, because we have parted ways in a, in a number of ways from the, from the British British, you know, we're the, English, we're the Australian British, um, and we very much hold on to a lot of our Britishisms. 
and I think we'll continue for a fairly long time until such time as we and the indigenous people become irrelevant. We're all slaves and cleaning toilets for the Chinese, you know. I'm so anti-Chinese sometimes. Um, actually, the rhetoric in Australia right now is fairly anti-Chinese. It's very anti-Chinese, actually. Yeah. Um, Chinese influence and all that sort of stuff. Um, the rhetoric leading up to the white Australia policy was like that too in 1901, you know, from everything I've heard. I should read all the... I should read Hansard from back then. Then I would really be boring. Yeah. Uh, gold-class boring. But um, it, it wasn't, you know, as racist as um, it is put about these days. People, I think form all their opinions or most of their opinions on what the white Australia policy was about and I think this would apply to many many people they give very strong opinions about what the white Australia policy was all about without actually uh, just going on what it's called you know they say well it's a white Australia policy so that says it all yeah that's sort of social media thinking yes Twitter thinking well it's a white Australia policy what else is there to discuss boom you know but the white Australian policy wasn't really all that much about skin colour per se. It, in fact, the rhetoric, as far as I can tell, leading up to the white Australia policy, uh, was not that different to the rhetoric we've got now. You know, we have a great fear for the yellow peril right now. Look, the Chinese aren't really yellow. Have you seen them? Yeah. I've seen the yellow peril in the city, in Melbourne, and that's yellow. It's bright yellow. I've met a lot of Chinese people, they're white. <laughs> so the ones I know, and the Japanese people are even whiter as far as I can tell. Look, they're whiter than me. But look, it wasn't about that, you know, the white Australia policy. And yeah, I'm not saying that um, it wasn't racist, it probably was, and I'm sure it was, you know, especially to a 21st century sensibility. But um, people are happy to react to what the thing is actually called, you know. And um, and, and what... what what actually uh, it was all about uh, was, well, as much as anything, wages and living conditions. Uh, because people who happened to have, you know, pasty, freckly, bloody, whitey, pinky skin um, all around the world at that moment in time, you know, you can go back in history and find that the Egyptians were the greatest and richest of another time, or the olive-skinned Romans and Greeks, you know, at other times. But at that point in time, yeah. And there were times when African you know, were greatest and Asians were, you know, um, Marco Polo went across to Japan and was amazed, you know, because it was just squalor in Europe and Japan had sanitation. You know, so there, be, there are different eras um, when one mob or another is in the ascendancy. Um, the pasty, freckly ones were in the ascendancy at the time of the White Australia policy and... Um, I think um, the founding fathers of Australia uh, looked around the world, and as did a lot of other um, Anglo-Western nations like the US and all that sort of stuff, and, and they looked around the world and they said, every country who hasn't got white skin, as they called it, white skin, you know, um, look, you know, I haven't really got white skin, I'm looking at it, I've got a coffee cup right next to me and that's got a white lid. And I'm, I'm putting my hand next to it, completely different colour. Just not white at all. In fact, it's miles off white, my skin. You know? It's got ugly freckles on it. Uh, because I'm an ugly, freckled Irishman. 
Um, but um, uh, anyway, they looked around the world, and it was a fact, I think, that uh, most people in the uh, look just about well, just about every maybe every in every case, every land that didn't have uh, pasty white frecklies were living like crap as far as they can they were concerned. Yeah, and there were reasons for that. Maybe it was because of you know um, the pasty white frecklies had destroyed them. You know, but that was you know weren't they idiots for not being strong? You know, and be, and even allowing them to destroy them. You know, um, blame the victim. You know, but you can blame the victim. Um, you know, if you if you if you render yourself weak in the face of a strong invader, uh, you just got your family killed. You idiot. You know, there is that element to it. There is that. You know. Um, and uh, this is why you need to make yourself strong. You 